Welcome to the show, Paul George in studio with Adam Conk. Talking all things art of living. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yep, both of those. Close. New Year's almost here. It is like it's knocking on the door. Yeah. So, so is it fair to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year? Can you celebrate Christmas and New Year? Does Christmas end after Christmas Day? Like, is Christmas over? <laughs> There's the great debate. It is a great debate. And I think it's hilarious to watch Catholics argue about this. People argue about it. Oh, yeah, they get fired up. Do they? What's the argument? Well, the Christmas season, which is a season of the church, right, begins Christmas Eve, right, Ning, like 24th in the evening. Baby Jesus is born. Baby Jesus, and ends with... Really, the baptism of the Lord is kind of like a hinge thing, which this year is on the 13th, I believe, right. of January. Okay. So it's Christmas season until the 12th of January. So the season of Christmas, like the season of Advent or season of Lent, Christmas mm-hmm. has its own season. Now it's a short season, Very nonetheless. Short. But now what's the deal with the Epiphany? Okay, so... Because some would be. say that the Christmas season would end at the Epiphany. Well, okay, so... Which is what? Well, it's the 6th, and it happens to actually be the 6th this year, because in America we always move inconvenient feasts to Sundays. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what happens at the Epiphany? All right, so in the history of it, there was a Christmas octave and an Epiphany octave. Okay. So eight days of Christmas, mm-hmm. then eight days of Epiphany. Ocho, ocho. Yeah. And Epiphany was actually a bigger deal than Christmas. The Epiphany was a feast and a big deal before Christmas was. Okay, explain that. Explain the the Epiphany. <laughs> so we celebrate how the Gentiles, the nations represented by the wise men, came to acknowledge Jesus right. as Lord, like came to him and worshipped him, and then went back and went out. And so we... The epiphany means to reveal, right, to understand or have enlightenment. And so we celebrate how the whole world gets to recognize Jesus as Lord, not just the Jews. Right. So it's a big deal for us non-Jews, the epiphany, and it's a call to evangelization. It always has been. Like, it's a feast to remind us, just like Pentecost, remind us of our mission as a church. Our mission is to come to the creche and worship the Lord, but then to share the good news with the world. And this is what happened. Like, when they went to see Jesus, they had an epiphany. Mm-hmm. They had an aha moment, right? The moment of like, this is the Lord, this is the King, this is the Savior. Doesn't make sense. He's an infant, but he's going to save the world. And then, yes, they had an yeah. enlightenment. Well, if we were naming this feast today in the church in America, we'd probably call it the Feast of Encounter. Hmm. Same idea. Starts with an E. <laughs> <laughs> so the Epiphany is a big deal. So it used to be that Christmas time would end at Epiphany. And then it would be Epiphany time, and then that would endure till Ash Wednesday, really. Really? Yeah, there was no there was no ordinary time back in the day. Really? It was after Epiphany until Lent. Then after Pentecost, it was after Pentecost for the rest of the year. So there was no like big stretch of green. I mean, you wore green, but it wasn't like ordinary time forever and ever. It was after Pentecost. For those who don't know what green means, is ordinary time... It's just it's it's green. You were total green. Green vestments and it's green. It's ordinary. Yeah. Now, there is such a thing as the cultural celebration of Christmas, 
which really begins at Thanksgiving and ends at Christmas Day. Right. So there's this tension, and this is the funny part to watch Catholics argue about, should you say Merry Christmas before Christmas Day, for example? Right. Now, some, some people don't even put up a tree until Christmas right. Day. Because it's and not Christmas yet. Some people don't even give gifts till the Epiphany. Because the wise men brought gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? And so Have you some seen people that meme don't even going around. Now can you imagine a kid today waiting for their presence? Yeah. All the way to the Epiphany? How about the tension in that house, man? <laughs> like all the clearance sales are over and there might be a, a good time to buy gifts. It's true. Right. You you seen that meme about the wise women? No. So the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If it would have been wise women, it would have been diapers, meal for a month, and formula. I like that. <laughs> Very practical. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fit for a king. But, I mean, look, I get it. We we all want to celebrate our actual holiday, which doesn't belong to non-Christians. Like, Christmas is about as Christian as it gets of a holiday. But I think there's some good cultural significance to Christmas that we should encourage for those that don't even, I'm going to say don't care about the right. reason of Christmas, but I think they, people celebrate Christmas f- to celebrate family, right. to celebrate generosity, to celebrate uh, the end of the year kind of, like a closing holiday. I think that's fine, and I think it kind of encourages a conversation with them that could help lead them to Christ. So if the Epiphany is about evangelization, this enlightenment to share the good news to the world, there's nothing in the epiphany that says go and isolate yourself from the world, right? And I think the, you know there's balance as a Christian to integrate into the culture and the world. And it's not like you're saying you know we're going to have this you know culturally American Christmas celebration, but you're going to say like it's okay to to start enjoying the Christmas season when everyone else is starting to enjoy it, and to be able to relate to what everyone else is doing. And to share the true meaning of Christmas and and Jesus and you know what He's done in our lives, yada yada yada. And you could still celebrate all those major moments during the Christmas season, Christmas Day, obviously uh, the Epiphany, um, those those types of things, and really bring that into the context and the tradition of your family. Well, and I think we're touching on something that I think is important for an American Catholic. Like we can't hate ourselves. What I mean by that is. The point of the faith is not to put us in a situation where we just hate everything around us. Right. That's not the faith. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we really are American. We are. And we really are living in the society we live in now. Yeah, and we, we didn't have a choice. This is just where yeah. we're born. This is where we're, we live. we got to figure out how to... Yeah. yeah. And there are things we'd like to change, sure. Absolutely. But to just cut ourselves off from the world around us because it's not Catholic enough is not the idea. Nor was it the idea of Christ at his time. Remember, the the Jerusalem was occupied by the Romans, and the Romans themselves, of course, um, had to come to terms with the Jewish holidays, like Passover and otherwise. And so the, the laws around reflected, you know. So it's always been the situation that our faith and holidays are practiced within the context of a wider culture that doesn't understand and doesn't get it. And that's how Christ chose to be born and to celebrate Passover was in that kind of context. Like, it's okay. Like, everything's okay. Yeah. There's and no war on Christmas. There's only a war on Jesus between the devil and, like, the right. big picture. Right. That's the big picture. Yeah. If you go to different cultures and different countries, they celebrate 
Christmas and the Christmas season in different ways, you right. know, at different times, at different times, and you know, it's sort of how we we integrate it. Let's all. just relax. Let's just relax. So here's here's <laughs> the other tension I think, and you know, we'll talk of this talk about this throughout the show, kind of weave it in, is um, there's this tension around, you know, there's Christmas and then the New Year is coming, mm-hmm. or it's here, and people take this break over Christmas, and they kind of enjoy the family and the holidays or not, and then, you know, the New Year hits, and everybody's like, oh, no, the New Year's here. It's a whole new year yeah, in front of me. Yeah. Right? Here, here it comes. Here it comes. And, you know, we kind of sit back and say, you know, a lot of people think, what are my goals for the year? What am I, what do I want to accomplish this year? What do I want to do this year? I want to start over this year. So there's something about the newness of the year that gives everyone uh, sort of the permission to, to take a deep breath and say, I want to start over. I want to start anew. Uh, I want to begin again this new year. Yeah, I love it. In fact, what we'll be doing today with my kids. So I have them keep a journal all year as we look at the daily mass readings. Even the ones that can't write? There's only three that can and they do it. The ones that can't, they sometimes they do like their version of a journal. But mm-hmm. but basically they, they wrestle with each day's mass readings in the morning and they write down like, what is Christ calling me to do today? But like they write it down. Or like, what, what does this say about me? What does this reveal to me? And then like, how am I called to grow? And they write down a little goal for the day. Hmm. Well, what we're going to do today is look back on the year. They do that every day. Yeah. Well, 90% of them. Right. <laughs> we're going to look back on the year, and I'm going to say, well, look, how did you grow this year, and where do you think Christ is calling you to grow in the next year? It's a good question to ask. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about the new year and the connection with Christmas and whatnot, and I think a lot of times in our culture we don't think that, that the new year and New Year's resolutions and thinking about starting a new has anything to do with Christmas, but I do, because who is it that gives us new life, new hope, and new freedom? Jesus. We celebrate Christmas, and we we have this epiphany moment in our life where we should. Things slow down in our culture, and that is really kind of the gift of, of our culture, is that most people do take off. Most people do slow down over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Most people, nobody's working today. You know, nobody's working over Christmas for the most part, right? Like, things do kind of slow down and simplify, and we do gather with our family, and we do kind of, even if someone's not a Christian or believer, do do kind of wrestle with what is going on in our culture. You know, people are slowing down. There's this thing called Christmas, this thing called Jesus, you know, yada, yada, yada. So people begin to think. And here's the reality is that, whether someone knows Jesus or not, they're saved through Jesus and by Jesus. Jesus has the power and the authority over the world. He is the dude. He is the guy. He is the Messiah. He is the one. He has come. He has saved. And he's born at Christmas. And we celebrate that. And I think when it comes to like the end of Christmas, we approach the new year, and it's like new life. I have new life. Everything that happened this past year, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I'm I, I'm looking back at it, and there's so many things I want to do different. There's so many regrets I have. There's so many failures I experienced, and I'm ready to start over. I think the advent of that is Jesus. No pun intended, advent of that. Yeah. You like how I tied that all together? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he said himself, I make all things new. All things. And 
the cycle of every year having a moment where we ask, okay, well, what needs to be new? Right. In this coming year. Yeah. Is very important. It's very important. So I think as we get into this is like, what if we looked at the new year and a new vision for our life and new goals, not through the, through the lens of the mindset of me, but through the lenses of the mindset of what does Jesus want for me? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, what I want for me uh, is is good things. Okay, but what Jesus wants for me is great things. The, and and I can see better, more clear through Jesus than I can on my own, my own muck, my own failures, my own insecurities, my own doubts, right? All those things kind of cloud my ability to see what God could and does have for me. But through Jesus, I can see clearly. So what if we approach this new year and said, I, I want to I set goals, objectives, understand God's vision for my life in a whole new way, but it's not going to be through me, but through him. Man, that sounds exciting. I can feel an exciting next segment coming. I feel like getting a journal and a crayon, <laughs> sitting down with your kids, and having my own little gender thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to be right back with fascinating discussions. Paul and Adam talking art of living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, Adam Kong, Art of Living. Art of Living! Yeah, man. So are you excited for the new year? I am, for lots of reasons. One is 2019 cannot be worse for the church than 2018. (laughs) Although, you know, I say that and I'm like, really? Because that would be awful. I mean, a, a worse 2019 than 2018 would be pretty bad. That's one of the reasons I'm excited. Yeah, I can't predict the future. But I do know a lot of times things have to get worse before it gets better, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's gotten worse. Mm, I think you're right. But, you know, I hope not. Like, I hope for only good things, only great things. But, you know, you know, the thing is, is if we all look back on our year and we were honest um, about it and, and really talked to God about it, we would see that even in the bad things or the horrible things or the difficult things, God did good things. Yeah. Like good things come out of tough things, bad situations. When we're in it, it's really hard to see. But when we look back, uh, things come, you know, to light. And I think, you know, this is an important thing. Like what I love, one of the words that I love in and throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is the word remember. Like God constantly uses that word remember throughout scripture. And it's like, why? Like, remember what? And I think what he says often is remember what I've done. Like look back and see what I've done. So you can have confidence in who I am today. Right. And who I am for you in the future. 
that word remember is really powerful, and I think it's important as we approach the new year, is it maybe take some time to remember what God's done this past year, the past few years, even in the difficulty, maybe highlight the things you're like, whoa, that God really did something there in my life. God really moved there. There was a miracle there. There was a moment there. And I think what you'll realize is that you can extract more good than bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, reality is too, it's been a tough year for the church, but the dysfunction and disorder has been there for years. I mean, it's not like everything fell apart this year. It's that everything became, not everything, some things became known this year that were not known to everyone, but they've been there for a while. And so it's not, it's not like God abandoned us or we don't know what to do now. It's really, I think five years from now, we'll look back and say, this is when we started to understand the problem and some people started to solve it. I don't know who those people are, but some well, people started to solve it. And here's the other thing about remember. So it's not just remember what I've done, remember the good things, and and rely on that and see me moving. It, it's uh, um, remember so you don't repeat mm-hmm. the same things over and over. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So remember requires change. Yeah. So we look back and we look at maybe our life or our behavior or the church looks back and the sin, our sin is to remember and not do anything about it, like not make the changes necessary. So shame on me if I look back on my year and be like, you know, there were some things that I did or behavior or ways that I need to change and, and, and shame on me for not using that as an opportunity to change is you know, to, to implement new ways of living, a new method of doing things, a, a, a reconversion, a rethinking of my life so that I don't do the same things over and over and over and over, right? So I think when you're talking about the church, is the church should look back and remember, but also as fair warning from guys, that there's things that need to change. Yeah, And if they don't change, you will continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. I mean, that's, that's the definition of insanity. Well, and the prophet Michael Jackson once said... Woo-hoo! <laughs> Other than that, what did he say? Well, he said, uh, uh-huh. if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah, very, very prophetic. <laughs> but it... If one thing I've learned this year is the truth of that statement that most of everything is beyond my control. Yeah. I mean, like 99% of everything. I would add a point nine on the point back nine. end of that. But I can control how much I'm letting God change me from right. year to year. And I have to be able to... And, and look, this year has been tough and discouraging for a lot of us. I've grown. God has, has caused growth in me in a few ways. But one of them is is uh, just coming to that humility that he is ultimately in control and he sees everything, even that the bishops don't see or the priests don't see or the lay people don't see. Like he sees it all and he's guiding the church to himself and those that are willing to listen, that, that path is a path of conversion for all of us. Because none of us have all the answers. None of us do everything right in the church. Right. You know what I mean? But he does have the answers, and if we listen to him and change with him in the way that he wants us to, we'll be a better church in the future than we are today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think when we look at, you know, we, we look back, is what we're talking about, 
so that we can look forward. So looking back is remembering what God has done, but it's not staying in the past. It's not mm-hmm. staying stuck. God doesn't want us to be stuck. And I think it's trying do, to repeat the past, which sure, we do often. Yeah, absolutely. And so when we're looking to the future and we have this rebirth of a new year and we say, you know, what what do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish? Who do I want to be? Those are really good questions, important questions. Those are good questions to ask yourself. And I think even if you're not asking them, I bet inside of each person you're thinking them. You know, So give yourself permission to think those questions. What do I want to do? What do I want to be? Who do I want to become? What do I want to accomplish? Those are, those are fair and good questions. The desires of our heart, right? I, I think when I'm talking to people, though, and even in my own life, I think you have to answer the first question here. Sounds silly, but I think it's important. The first question is this, does God even care about this thing? Yeah, about my future. Does God even mm. care about oh, I see. my hopes, my dreams, my goals, my object? Does God even care? And I think the reason that most people, uh, I say most, I don't know the numbers, but a lot of people would set goals, objectives, their future outside of the lenses of God is because maybe they had never even thought, does God even care? about my hopes, dreams, futures, right? Mm. So I think we have to first ask the question, does a God even care? And I think it's a fair question to ask because I think it's important for us to move forward. And here's the thing. I'll answer it for you. <laughs> God does care, even though there's times when we think that he doesn't, right? Mm. And we see all throughout Scripture, you know, the Old Testament, what makes us great uh, about you know, our faith is that it goes way back. You know, we're not just a New Testament religion. You know, our faith extends back. To, you know, the the, uh, the theodrama, the, the the story of God goes way back. You know, and everything in the Old Testament makes sense through the New. And you know, in, in the Book of Jeremiah, it says, "You know, for I know well the plans I have in mind for you," says the Lord, not says you know someone else. So we know that God cares about our plans. We, we know that God is concerned, that God wants to intervene, that God wants to be a part of our life. We see this in his interaction. His character comes out, and the character of God tells us, I care about you. Yeah. Well, there, there's a level of knowing. I mean, we are intellectual creatures first. That's our highest power. So when we know we understand the idea. I think all of us would agree on that level. God loves me, right? Like God cares about me. God wants me to succeed in life. I think we all acknowledge that intellectually. <clears throat> but being human beings we are, there, there's also other layers of knowing that we use. Not just our intellect, but our heart knows. Our emotions know. Like that's they're our, trained. And that's our experience. Right. And so it's important, I think, to recognize... To not move on from that question, but say, how deeply do I know this? Mm-hmm. And then there's an even a deeper level, which is the Holy Spirit, where it's not just naturally, but I actually have the Holy Spirit in me who confirms in me God's love for me. Right. In other words, I know through the Holy Spirit God's love for me. And so there's all these depths of knowing. And so we can, well, where, where do we fall? Well, I think if you follow the fear you you can find how much how much you deeply know that right yeah. because if i if i don't know the future i fear cuz fear is there's an evil coming and i can't stop it 
That's what that's the emotion we experience. Yeah. There's something that's going to happen, something bad, and I can't stop it, so I experience fear. Right. And so if I'm securing God's love, I have less fear. Absolutely. Because it's always going to be there. And so if I don't know that God loves me and cares about me and my future and my goals and he's got it all under control, I will be afraid of life and of other things. And so emotionally, I don't know God loves me. Right. See what I'm saying? Because of what I experience. You know, we base our emotions on our experience, good and bad, but mainly bad. Like mainly our bad experiences determine how we see the world and how we see God. And I think you, you brought up a point earlier. You said, you know, you've come to this point in your life where you realize that you know, 99% of things are out of your control. And mm-hmm. I added the point nine. like, honestly, mm-hmm. like, and I think that's the fear in us is that the reality is w- we understand, but we don't like the fact that 99.9% of things are really out of our control. We can't do anything about them. And the, I think at the root of fear is the lack of control. You know, like yeah. when we, we feel like we're in control, now we can control the narrative. We can control the situation. We can control our lives. Uh, you know, we we have no fear. And here's the thing is that we try to exit fear out of our life. And fear is a normal human emotion that should draw us closer to God and relying on him, right? So the reason we look back is to, for our intellect and our will and our emotion to all come together with one true statement, right? So we can't be divided. Like mm. God doesn't want our emotions to say one thing and our mind to say another. He wants them to come together and make a decision. So we look back and we can decide God has done good things for me mm-hmm. and God cares. Why? Well, because of my experience, because I know, because my, 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 my intellect, yes, things were hard, but God was there. Yes, I read scripture and he promises. And you see what I'm saying? Like you bring all those together. So when you look to your future and you say, does God care? You can make a firm decision and say, God does care. Do I always feel that way? No. Do I always experience that? No, not all the time. That's why it's so important that when we think about our God's vision for our life and setting goals is we constantly have to sit down with the Lord in prayer and say, God, remind me that you care. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what you're talking about with your kids. Yeah. Sit down. God, remind me that today... You care because if there's anything that's consistent about me is I forget. Yeah, and we all do. We all do, right? Like that's the human experience. Why did God have to keep reminding the people of his love? Why? They forget. They forget. Like you don't, if you don't forget, you don't have to be reminded. So being reminded is because we, we are a forgetful people. What do we forget most? I think the thing that we forget most is not the grocery list and... Not to pay our bills, all those, you know, we probably do forget those things. Not to show up for work. And I think the thing that we forget the most is how much God loves us. Yeah. That's the thing that we forget the most. Well, it's because love is an action of self-gift. And we do this with our, our spouses and kids, too. We say, I love you often, or we should, to remind, hey, I, I love you. But it's, it's re-offering that gift. Like when I say that, when I communicate that, I'm offering myself now and the thing is, I could stop offering that gift. I could. Because right. it's it's an action I keep doing. Theoretically, I could change today and not love you anymore and right. not give myself to you anymore. That's possible. And so it's a reminding, but it's also a re-commitment, yep. a re-gift, if you will. And God 
loves us by leading us to eternal life. And this is what what I think we forget about God sometimes is what does he want for us? What What is his hopes and dreams? What are his goals for the coming year? Yep. He wants to lead us into eternal life. Yep. Like that's what he has for us. And if we follow him daily, he will lead us. And that's the thing. If we're not praying daily, if we're not connecting with him in a following kind of way, we're not experiencing his love. Right. And so we will forget. And so we have to read scripture that says, you know, I know well the plans I have for you or other things that tell us, yeah, he's leading me. Right. And I just have to follow him and he'll bring me to heaven. True worship is about remembering. Like the act of worship is about remembering and God reminding us, right? This is what mass is about. You read the Old Testament. God was with the people by by cloud and by fire, but but he was with them in the tabernacle and they carried the tabernacle with them. And he's like, they forgot. They're like, look, God's presence is in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's remember, right? And in the Jewish custom, they built the temple and the Holy of Holies. They would go there, and the high priest would go in, and all the people would gather to what? To be reminded of God's faithfulness, of what he had done and what he'll continue to do. Today, thousands of years later, what do we do? We gather at Mass. And what is Mass? It's a worship of remembering, right? We see what God has done, what God is doing and what God will do. Mm-hmm. That's what happens at Mass. And we may not always know that or think about it and experience that or uh, whatever, but the reality that's taking place is that we remember what God has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And this is what like changes the vision for our life, is that God does care. So I think before we can really move on and hope for a new year is that we have to, we have to understand that God does care um, about us, about our life, about our dreams, our hopes, our future, but we have to be reminded of that each day. We can't just look back. We have to sit with God every day and say, remind me because I forget. Yeah, and to have people in our life that remind us as well, you know, yeah. um, intentionally. Intentionally, yeah. That we place those people there. To, every time I see this, and we have those people, we all have those people in our life. When I'm with this person, it's easier to, to know God loves me, or it's easier to follow Jesus when I'm with these people than it is... I'm not saying never associate with people that don't make it easy to follow Jesus. What I am saying is there are certain people that have the effect on us that I follow Jesus more easily because they are in my life. Right. We have to have some people like that. Yeah. I think the next question we should ask is, you know, does God even have a vision? And I know that sounds like a silly question, but if we're going to have a vision for our life then and look through the lenses of God, we got to understand that God has a vision. So God doesn't just, in a sense, you know, wake up and just sort of like, I don't, I'm not sure what I want to do today. I think I'm going to just kind of like, I don't know, be spontaneous, mm-hmm. right? Like God, I wouldn't even, I would say it much bigger than this, is that God doesn't have a vision. God is vision. Like, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like, like in the character of who God is, God is vision. God is love. God thinks way beyond time, right? Like there is no time to God. So he he sees further than the furthest before us and behind us, right? Like, and, and you can't see this, but Paul is stretching out his huge arms as far as he can. I have a wingspan. To show how, how far God sees. And it's impressive. It, it is a wingspan that, that <laughs> it's a very small studio. So I think, oh, yeah, from I end think to my end. arms look longer <laughs> because the studio is so small. I can touch one end to the next. So, so, so God is 
in in his essence, one who who sees, the one who thinks beyond, one who who dreams and visions, right? Mm. So much so that that dreams and visions were part of are part of God's story. Like God thinks ahead, God creates ahead, but also God's has given visions to people, dreams to people. And I think, you know, as we're kind of closing out like this Christmas season and new year, I think I was constantly sort of reminded in scripture of like God used dreams to speak to to Joseph and to Mary, like in this massive important story of God, this is what he used. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's all this you know, sort of what, what kind of dream was it? Like how, how did, you know, dreams happen? I think that, you know, when I think a dream it was more of a vision, it was more like, you know, God speaking, you know, but here's the thing about dreams and visions is that they're uh, in God's, in, in God's character, they're not real logical. They don't always make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Like going to Egypt didn't really make sense at the time. But to look back, of course, it makes sense now. It makes sense then, you know. But yeah. in the moment, Joseph was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't even know." Well, this is why I, you know, not to hate on other Catholic ideas out there because I love all Catholic ideas. But this is why I'm very cautious with setting goals in the coming year or wherever, where it basically amounts to me becoming more fully human or more like the best version of myself or. You know, God just wants me to practice all the virtues as best as I can. Like all these, like, I'm going to become more superhuman things because in reality, some of God's biggest plans just go against all of that. Yep. Like when he told Joseph and Mary to go to Egypt, for example, because they're trying to kill. In other words, God has specific plans for me that are not just generic to everybody. Right. Like he, God just doesn't want me to become some kind of generic superhuman. Right. He wants me to do his will for me. Yeah. And he sees things that are very specific to me. Yeah. Like next year I might get cancer or whatever. And I don't know that right now, but But you might cure cancer. I might cure cancer. Love the positive attitude there. But, or, or someone I love might die like two years from now. And so he might be asking me to do something in prayer or whatever else, or in even dreams and visions like you brought up that corresponds to his plan for me. That are not just on the generic human well-being level, but are on the very specific, Adam, this is my path for you level. And that's the level that's leading me to eternal life. Like Absolutely. that's him guiding me yeah. to happiness forever. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think in a, in a way I would, I, I hate the word generic with God. Like I would never mm-hmm. want to even put those two together. But I would say that the God does have a common vision for all of us. Yeah, our and human that, nature. That yeah. common vision. And if you're wondering what God's vision is for all of us and for your life, is that God wants us all to know him, to love him, and serve him. Like God mm-hmm. wants us to know him and his love and his care. And God wants us to, to love him and to become holy. And God wants us to serve the world. So, like... Like, I don't have to wake up and guess every day that God wants me to know him, love him, and serve him. Like, that's right. who God created or us Or he doesn't want you to sin. Right. We know he doesn't want us to sin. So God's vision for us is that we we become, you know, who he created us to be yep. in in holiness, right? But I think where we want to 
you know, get to is that God does have specific plans and things for us in our life, but I think in God's vision for us, who he created us to be, is is uh, to know him, to love him, to serve him, and and to, to have confidence in that, like, like that to be our identity first, because who am I if I become CEO or mother of the year or virtuous <laughs> companion of the universe <laughs> and yet don't know Jesus, don't know God's love for me? Because at right. the end of the day, guess what? All of it's gone. All of it strips away. All of our accomplishments and trophies or anything, it's it's all gone. Like we become old and frail and no yeah. one even remembers those things. Yeah. Well, and even in growing as a more healthy human being, there's going to be specific ways I need to grow this year. For example, could I be more just? Yes. Could I be more gentle? Yes. Like name a virtue. Could you be more that in the coming year? Well, 100%. All of them, right? Yep. But the Lord's not saying grow in, you know, a hundred different ways in this coming year. But there's a very specific way. Maybe it is my, my, what they call dominant fault. Maybe it's my biggest problem that I need to change. But maybe he wants to approach that main problem from another angle because I've been trying to change it so many different ways. And if you don't talk to him, exactly, you ain't going to know. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more about this Paul and Adam, Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam here. Fucking Art of Living. You know, last show, or was it the show before, we had a... So many shows. An intro uh, competition. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, We need to think of another competition to have. You just love these competitions. I do. We could arm wrestle. You would lose. Yeah. Um, But um, here's the thing. Uh, We could... Let's think of competitions we want to have this year. Oh, my word. And we'll bring them to the show. Like show competitions? Show competitions. And if we could video, then we could we could show some of the, like, maybe some, you know, physical competitions we could have, like wrestling or arm you think, wrestling. You think people would watch that? Thumb wrestling. We can just keep trimming it down to, like, the, the, the smallest competition. All kinds of wrestling. Just <laughs> thumb wrestling. Well, we could do a, a, a trivia contest. You would win. Like three questions. You would win. I don't know. I mean, it depends on what it's about. I think your son what if Thomas it was sports would trivia? probably win. What if it was sports trivia? I'd win. Okay. Yeah. We could do that on air. We could do... I think music trivia, you would win. Mm, no, don't be so sure. Church trivia, you would win. Biblical trivia, I might win. Mm. Sports trivia, I would win. Those are just my predictions. <laughs> well, we could do... Um, I don't know. Well, think it's about it. It's a tough it. question, yeah. yeah. Maybe some listeners have ideas. Mm. All right, so thinking about the new year, you know, let's yeah. get into this a little bit before we close out the show is you know, is it is it good is it is it good to uh 
you know, set, you know, goals and objectives, right? Uh, as we're thinking out and how do we do that within the context of our relationship with God, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, we don't want to over-spiritualize, you know, but we don't want to under-spiritualize. Uh, but how do we really think about this thing, you know, through the lens of God? And so I was thinking, you know, does, does God set goals and objectives? Does God think about things? And um, the answer to that is yes, I found something. So, and I love the scripture in the book of Habakkuk. Have you ever read that book? I have. It's so it's an Old Testament book. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know uh, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Yeah, love it. So it says this, man, and this is cool. It says uh, Habakkuk chapter two, verse two and three. It says, uh, "Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that you may run. Uh, he may run who reads it." For still the vision awaits to, to its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. I love that. I love that scripture. In a lot of ways, one, it's God's promise that, you know, that sometimes we have to wait on the Lord for the things that we want or need or what God wants for us. But two, it says write them down. Write them down on tablets. Uh, and I... I think this is a practical method that that is super important for us that, you know, we can say, well, I want to do this. And you, and then you just have a thought about it, but you never put it down. Um, and then you don't think about it till the next year. And you say, I never did anything about that. Right. So what would it be like if we actually sat down and sort of looked at our lives in two ways, not separate, but kind of two areas and said, God, what do you want? to do in my life to make me more holy this year. Like you said, there's there's hundreds of virtues. But which one is God asking you to work on? Or or what thing to make you more holy so you can grow in knowing him, loving him and serving him? And I think that's the most important goal that we can have. Mm-hmm. Like what's your spiritual goal this year? Certainly you can get practical and say I want to go to mass more, I want to do this, but but think internally first. Yeah. The like internally, what is the work that God wants to do in your life this year? And what I would say is, don't write down too many things. Right. Like, keep it simple and doable. But what is that? And I think write it down. I think that's important because you know, in 2020, you're going to want to look back and say. How did I do in that area? How did I yep. work on that? But if you don't write it down, you won't work on it. And if you don't write it down and keep it in front of you, then you won't work on it each day and you won't talk to Jesus about it each day. When you have to have, we talked about memory earlier, we have to remind ourselves what God told us in such and such day at such and such time if it was important. And the question of, Lord, where, where are you calling me this year is a very important question. So to write it down in such a way that three months from now I go back and look, yeah. Is very important. Yeah. So sit down. Sit down with the Lord and say, you know, I, I think as we talk about how do you set these goals within the context of your faith and your relationship with God, is just what I would say is, and you could differ in this or you could add or subtract from it, is I would say have the conversation about your goals and objectives with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And just trust that the Holy Spirit will guide you to put the right things down. So, Lord, what do you want to work on me? What do I need to work on? What do I think I need to work? What do you think? And let's have this conversation. And I guarantee you'll write a few things down and you'll be able to say, you know, that's the thing right there. Those are the things right there that I I need to work on internally that's going to make me, 
you know, better, holier uh, in my relationship with Jesus. It could be patience. It could be love. It could be working on fear. It could be like there's these internal, you know, things in our life that certainly we can have all the outside appearance that we want to do, but internally Jesus wants to really transform us from the inside out. Inside out, man. Yeah. And I found in my experience of kind of going to the Lord with that question is that he often reveals to me, and usually just in um, reading the Gospels mainly, to see him interact with people and to see how I react to what he's doing or saying. Um, He often reveals to me something that I lack and something that I have. So, for example, I, I tend to have a positive outlook on life. It's something I have. I didn't get it. Like, he gave it to me. I didn't, like, earn it. You see what I'm saying? It's something that he has given me as, as, a, as a part of me. And then there's something I lack. So, for example, um, I lack, uh, let's see, I lack the ability to be silent when I need to be silent sometimes. Like, I talk too much, right? So I find something I lack, something I have. And that which I have, I need to share. Because God didn't give it to me to just hold it to myself. So in the coming year, I need to get better at sharing, let's say, my positive outlook on things or sharing the joy I have in knowing Jesus. I need to get better at sharing what I have, and I need to work on what I lack. You know, so if I talk too much, okay, well, how do I work on knowing the right time to speak and the right thing to say at the right time? Um, So I think getting it down to kind of two is helpful for me because there's a positive thing that I'm working on. I'm strengthening my strength. And then there's a weakness that I'm working on too. Yeah, absolutely. But more than that, I can't handle. Yeah, and and then here's here's the next place I would go is asking the Lord to question yourself. The question is, how do you want me to serve you? Mm-hmm. Like, w- what are some goals this year that I can get better in using my gifts to love and serve you? And I and I think it's important that we start in order of priority. First is how do you want how do you want me to set some goals in loving you and serving you within my vocation? Um, you know, my, my family, uh, let me start there. And I, and I guarantee you, you know, I have some, some goals on how I can love my family better, like how I can be a better husband and father. Right. Mm-hmm. If we all sit down there, because, uh, that, that's the first priority, right? How, and then how do you want me to, to love and serve you better? Um, you know, to my neighbor in my neighborhood, in my, in my work. Right. So we kind of take it kind of flow down now. We can get way too many things. So I can think of a ton of things that I can get better at. Mm-hmm. But what is what is it that I, I want to just focus on, you know, and how to serve better in my vocation and in my surroundings, right? What's a goal? Like what, you know, don't be afraid to set set that goal, right? And then what I would go from there is, is from there maybe setting some just practical things that have been in your heart or your life, uh, in your work that you want to accomplish, and having the co- the conversation with Jesus about it, like Lord, I I w- I would love to get a promotion this year, and I want to work hard at that. And I'm going to put that out there for you to know. I'm not going to be afraid to name it. So let me give you an idea. I had a dream for a book for a long time, and it was I and my goals for the year. I would have short term goals, goals that I. I knew that I can accomplish, you know, because they're right in front of me. And I had a long-term goal. And the book was a long-term goal, but I would put it down each year. And what would end up happening is it would just carry over to the next year. And for five years, it carried over. 
until practically it became possible to do it. The time, uh, the a contract with a publisher, like so. But that it's not like I gave up on it. it. I knew it was on my heart, but I had to not be afraid to put it out there with God and say, "Here's a long term big goal, and I want to work towards it. I want to write some things down. I want to think of things, and then when the time comes, hopefully, Lord, I'll be ready." Yeah, I love that, and I think the Lord really does talk to us that way. He does both, and it's not only the short-term stuff. It's not only the long-term stuff. I think he gives us a vision of where he's taken us in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Right. But then he clearly tells us the next step. Yeah. The short-term stuff. And I think that's the important thing because, you know, in in the scripture of Habakkuk, it says uh, the vision waits its appointed time. Uh, If it seems slow, wait for it. And each year when that that thing would carry over to the next year, I'd always say, why didn't this happen? Does God not care? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he does. Does God not have a vision for it? Did God not put or this in did I do something wrong? I do something wrong. Mess it up? Yeah. But looking back, I wasn't ready to write the full book, right? God was still doing stuff in me to be ready, right? Yeah. So you might not be ready for the promotion. God wants to work on you and get you ready for the next, you know, move or next thing. And like, but don't be afraid that if it carries over that you're failing, work on the virtues, work on the practical things that are moving you forward towards those bigger goals. And then have those intermediate things that you know, okay, I I need to, I know I can do this. I need to write down some practical things that are going to move me forward in, you know, my work and my life and my friendships and and my family. Here's the fourth thing that I would do when setting goals and objectives. Uh, And this is what I've learned, I've learned the hard way, is that uh, we can't accomplish uh, the things that we want to on our own. Like unless you share your goals, objectives, and your vision with some other people, they usually just kind of sit dormant. You know, because here's what we do, is we give up on ourselves. We give up on ourselves way easier than other people give up on us. Yeah. Right? So you, so if you had a big goal of, you know, like, um, what you finished your master's degree this year, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there were times during the year you're like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but it was a goal of yours to finish it. It probably took you longer than you thought, right? Yeah. Right? Because it just kept spilling over and you busy and kids and work. But I can guarantee you this, your wife knew that you wanted to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, when you wanted to give up, she was the one who was like, you can keep doing this. You got this, right? Yeah. Because you shared it with her. If you were doing it in a closet, she didn't know about it, and you didn't share it with her and her family, they couldn't celebrate you and push you on and move you on, you would have given up. You would have been like, this isn't worth it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? No, it's true. And that's what ends up happening a lot of times in our life. And the things that we want to accomplish and do is we try to do them on our own, and the reality is we, we need people in community and encouragers and people who believe in us and people who have connections and people who will do things for us and with us, and we just kind of have to kind of be vulnerable and say, here's here's what I think God wants me to do. That was very vulnerable. I remember when we got married, going through marriage prep, they were talking about the different levels of communication, you know. You can share facts, like how the weather is, mm-hmm. what sports team won this weekend. Right. Then you could share your thoughts like, I think, whatever, or thoughts and opinions. Like, yep. oh, I think 
then you could share your feelings. Right. But then the highest level of intimacy was to share your goals and your dreams, hmm. which is a very intimate thing. Like because people are afraid of them. Because you're basically saying this is what I want out of life. Yeah, which is about as personal as it gets. Yep. And you you set yourself up to be disappointed, right? And have other people be disappointed in you. But that's also the place where deep community happens. Right. Because you give that person the ability to love you well because they can help you accomplish your goals. And there's nothing more loving than for me to give myself for your purposes, not mine, but to help you accomplish what God's calling you to do. That's, that's beautiful. And it's, but it's, it's a very vulnerable thing to share. Yeah, it is. Because we're afraid of failure, we're afraid it won't happen. But when we have people journeying with us, that like that's no one's no one wants to journey through life in failure or success alone. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, that's miserable. It's just as miserable to enjoy success alone as it is to enjoy and, and to experience failure alone. Cajuns know that well. I mean, nobody cooks an awesome gumbo and sits there by themselves. And if you do, that's sad. It, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> there's just as much misery in celebrating success by yourself mm-hmm. than there is in experiencing failure by yourself, mm-hmm. right? And when you experience both of those with people, there's actual love and joy and hope and faith. And I think that's the vulnerability of, you know, sharing these goals not only with the Lord, and there's vulnerability there, right? Yeah. But with your loved ones. And even if they those things never happen, you have people in your life cheering you on. They know your heart, and that's the thing. Is in the recent study where it said that the two things people want the most out of life is is um, love and happiness. Right? That's a song. That's love rocket science. You know, yeah. like. Uh, and but here was the thir- the thing that came in and out of the study is that the thing they were people were most afraid of um, was to share that with people. Share that they want love and happiness. Like that that was what they really wanted out mm-hmm. of life, right? Mm-hmm. So they would just talk about facts or things or, you know, but not get to that real intimacy of what they really wanted. And therefore, they were alone. And that's that's not the place that God wants us. Well, I think this is an interesting point to end on as we go to the new year, is we still have some awkward family conversations to come, right? So we just had some at Christmas. Here comes our New Year celebration. What an interesting conversation as the New Year begins. Instead of saying, what's your New Year's resolution? What do you want out of life in this coming year? Right? Like to open up that line of conversation and intimacy that could actually lead to a deeper relationship. Because the thing is, ultimately, this is where Jesus saves us. He He doesn't save us from sins we don't want to get rid of. Right. He doesn't save us from disasters we don't want to get out of. Jesus saves those who call on him as Savior to save them from something that we want to be saved from. He doesn't force himself into our life. And so if we can help people understand their own hopes and dreams and what they want out of life, that's the place where Jesus says, well, I'm what you want out of life. Like, you want love and happiness? This is eternal love and happiness, right? Um, So anyway, I, I... I think it's a great evangelization tool, whether they're atheists or not, whether they believe in Jesus or not. Like, if I show that I care about your goals and dreams, even over a holiday dinner, I'm, I've opened up Jesus into your life. Absolutely. Be- because ultimately, he fulfills every one of your desires and your goals and your dreams. Amen.
I love that. Great show, man. We're going to have to talk more about this in the new year. We just we'll set that as a goal. Kind of got to the talk icing about it. On, the, on the cake, and I'm looking forward to our competitions. So Well, so far we, we have some very lame ones, so hopefully our listeners can can let us know some better competitions. Yep. And if you want happiness, you can get the book for the new year, Rethink Happiness. Rethink it. Uh, share the show, uh, iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, on the website, discovertheartofliving.com. Uh, Look forward to the new year. We have a marriage conference that we're going to be doing what? in Lafayette, Louisiana. On the website, some cool things that are happening that are shaking loose, and God's got good things for all of us. So have a great new year, and thanks, Adam, for everything. I really appreciate it. Thank you for a great year, Paul. <laughs> all right. God bless you guys. Talk to you next week. <laughs>